If you have to take it, if you have to take it, it is not God's timing. If you have to take it, it is not God's timing. And I want to, I want to, I want to be very clear here what taking it means. Taking it means that you have to come up with a plan. You have to come up with some type of, of foolishness, sinfulness. You just have to work hard. You have to go. You have to grind. You have to get it. And I hear this all the time. And I know that this is like the American mentality. And I know that this is like a big deal. And, I, and I'm, I'm like this in a lot of ways to get out there, to drive, to grind, to work, to get it, to put it, put, put, give me the ball, coach. I'm ready to go. Put, put the plan on your back. Let it be you. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You will never, you will not see this. You will not see this in scripture. You will not see this in the lives of God's prophets. You will not see this in the lives of God's people. You will not see this in a righteous way. You will not see people working, working, working to take what they want. And then God saying, good job. You won't ever see that. What you see is that working, that mentality, that drive, being faithful with what God gives them. Hey guys, welcome back to the Jordan Green Podcast. Today we are in part two of our brand new series, Taking Versus Receiving. Uh, this is the practical results of a life trusting or not trusting God. Um, so before we get into it, I want you to know how thankful I am that you guys come in every single week, that you listen uh, to the podcast, you watch it on YouTube. It means the world to me. Uh, my heart is always to create content that is Christ-centered, and the ultimate hope is that God will use this word and use the scriptures and use the truths taught here to renew your mind, to transform you, uh, to, to just be an aid in your walk and your growth and your relationship with Jesus. Uh, and if that has been that in any way, shape, or form, I would love for you to just send some encouragement our way uh, to put it in the comments. Uh, ultimately, I would love for you to share this, to, to copy the link, text it to your friends and family, your small group, your house church, uh, that you would make an effort to get this. This is the thing we say. I'll say it almost every podcast I ever do because I believe it. If God uses this in your life, he will use it in someone else's life. So give him that opportunity by sharing it. You never know how one little share, one little text, one little post on Facebook could have an internal impact in someone's life. Uh, and so this is, this is what we ask. We'll do everything in our power to give what we can. And we only ask if God uses it, then give God the opportunity to use it in someone else's life. Uh, but let's get started. Super excited about uh, this this series, uh, taking versus receiving. Uh, I want to read the uh, the pattern. This is we're looking at a pattern that we see from Genesis to Revelation, and ultimately this is what it is. Those who trust God live their lives receiving what God gives them with thankfulness, satisfaction, and faithfulness. Those who do not trust God live their lives taking what they want, yet living ungrateful, dissatisfied, and in fear. So ultimately, this is the this is the heart of this series, is that God's design of this world and our lives and his plan is that he would be our father, that we would be his children, that he would be the king, that we would be his people. He would be the creator, we'd be the creation. And ultimately, we would trust him, love him, worship him, and then he would give all that we would ever need, that we would simply receive it, be thankful for it, find satisfaction in it, and then be faithful with it. But a life outside of God's will involves those not receiving, but taking what they want 
when they want in various different ways, almost always outside of God's timing, outside of God's will, resulting in a minimum of foolishness, many times sinfulness, and out, sometimes just outright rebellion against God. That, that a believer, the God's plan for a believer is never to reach out and take, but only to receive what God gives them and what God has for them. And so uh, we wanted to move into another story in scripture another moment uh, this is in second kings chapter 5 um, but this 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 part that we're going to focus on today comes on the back of a of, of a pretty well-known story there was a, a great leader i'm going to tell this really fast because so we can get into the heart of this there was a great leader in assyria named naaman he was uh, the second in command only to the king of assyria uh, he was a great he was a war hero he was the commander of all the army he was wealthy he was powerful he was strong he was successful he was everything that you would want to be in this world and culture he had all all the boxes checked but he had a terrible skin disease most believe it was leprosy um, and he 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 struggled with this heavily uh, and so ultimately through a series of events he winds up uh, coming before Elisha who was a prophet of God in Israel and uh, Naaman shows up with a ton of wealth uh, to give to Elisha uh, for Elisha to heal him of his of his disease uh, ultimately, Elisha doesn't even come outside to see Naaman. He just sends a, a, a messenger out to tell him to go wash down in the river seven times. Uh, pride sets in Naaman a little bit. He gets kind of angry. He thought he would come out and do something spectacular like a wizard or something. Uh, his pride got the best of him. He starts to leave. Luckily, his servant says, hey, if he would have said do something great, you would have done it. Don't be offended at this small thing. Just be faithful. So Naaman comes back, humbles himself, goes down, washes himself in the Jordan seven times. God heals him. He comes back up. He tries to give Elisha all of this wealth, all of the gifts that he brought, but Elisha doesn't take it. Elisha doesn't take it. Uh, ultimately, he sends Naaman on his way with all the wealth and all the gifts. But after Naaman leaves, uh, Elisha's servant, Giazi, Elisha's servant, Giazi, gets it in his heart that there is an opportunity here to take something, to take wealth, to take the gifts, to take the clothing. So he uh, conceives of this plan, and he, he runs out and he chases down Naaman, who at this point was a good ways off, and he makes up a lie, makes up a story, and he ultimately uh, deceives Naaman and, and steals wealth from Naaman that was not his on false pretenses. He takes uh, the wealth that, that uh, Naaman gave, and he goes back, he hides it in his house, and then he comes back to Elisha. Elisha uh, asked him where he was. He lied to him. And then this is where we kind of pick up the story. And, and so, you know, the one thing that's foolish of Gyazi is that Elisha was a prophet of God. Elisha knew things that no man should ever know outside God giving it to him. Gyazi had seen all of the powerful miracles and all of the things that God had revealed to Elisha. So why Gyazi thought that he would get away with this is beyond me. Uh, but he shows back up. And this is 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. Uh, but Elisha questioned him. Did not my spirit go with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Talking about Naaman. And then this is the key scripture here. This is something Elisha says that is very unique. Is this the time to take money and clothing, olive uh, groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, men servants and maidservants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman will cling to you and your descendants forever. 
Now, this this thought process here, Elisha says, is this time to take? Some of the translations say, is this the time to accept? Uh, is this the time to, to, there's another word. But ultimately, if you go on, you know, BibleHub.com is a great free resource, and you go to 2 Kings 5, you pull up the scripture, you click the Hebrew, you look at the original language, you click on this word. It's the Hebrew word for take. You literally, it says to take. So is this the time to accept or take? Uh, money, clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, men servants, and maidservants. So I want to point this out that Elisha is rebuking him for taking something outside of the wrong timing. So I want to point something out to you. Now, Gyazi very clearly sins in this process. He deceives, he lies, he creates a plan, he lies to Naaman, he steals what is not his. He, he literally takes what is not his. If it was going to go to anybody, it should have been gone to Elisha or to the temple or to the Lord. Gyazi was the one person in all this that did not deserve a dime. But he, he took it, he deceives, he lies to Elisha when he gets back. And so here he is, and there's a lot of sin in this, but... Elisha does not rebuke him or even bring up the sinfulness and the actions of sin. What he brings up is the timing. He says, is this the timing to take wealth? And he, he goes through all these things. The other interesting factor is that, that he didn't take almost any of these things. He took a little bit of money and he took clothing. But he definitely didn't take olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants. He definitely didn't take a, a, a small kingdom, which is what Elisha was pointing at. But the reality of it was, is Elisha saw what was in his heart. And what was in his heart was to have all these things and, and to take all these things and, the, and to possess all these things. And he took the opportunity to take something outside of timing. And the focus here for Elisha is timing. So this is important. This is something that jumped out at me a couple months back, and it's just been something I've chewed on for a while. The timing here is so significant. Elisha, for Elisha, it wasn't wrong to have these things. It wasn't wrong to possess them. It wasn't wrong to receive them in, in the right time. And it wasn't wrong to desire them or to want them. None of that was wrong. What he, what's wrong here and what he rebukes and what he calls out is the timing of it. And so this is something that, that is very powerful. And I want to I say something to you. You need to write this down. You need to remember this. In your walk with God, in your relationship with Jesus, and as you're living your life, I need you to understand something. If you have to take it, if you have to take it, it is not God's timing. If you have to take it, it is not God's timing. And I want to, I want to, I want to be very clear here what taking it means. Taking it means that you have to come up with a plan. You have to come up with some type of, of foolishness, sinfulness. You just have to work hard. You have to go. You have to grind. You have to get it. And I hear this all the time. And I know that this is like the American mentality. And I know that this is like a big deal. And, I, and I'm, I'm like this in a lot of ways to get out there, to drive, to grind, to work, to get it, to put it, put, put, give me the ball, coach. I'm ready to go. Put, put the plan on your back. Let it be you. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You will never, you will not see this. You will not see this in scripture. You will not see this in the lives of God's prophets. You will not see this in the lives of God's people. You will not see this in a righteous way. You will not see people working, working, working to take what they want. And then God saying, good job. You won't ever see that. What you see is that working, that mentality, that drive, being faithful with what God gives them. You from like God gives them the garden. Now work it, grind, be faithful, work hard, be driven to, to do well, to be faithful with what God's given you. You receive it from God, not take it. You receive it from God in the right timing. And then you work hard and then you grind. We have this flipped up where we want to take the energy and we want to take the drive and we want to take the ambition and we want to go out and we want to take what we want when we want it. 
And, and, and I need you to understand that if you're having to scheme, if you're having to grind, if you're having to work to reach out and take something, it is not from the Lord and it's not the right timing. You will never have to grind or reach out or take in your own power what God wants to give you. God will simply give it to you. He hasn't designed it this way. He's designed it the way he's designed it so that when he does give it, all you have to do is receive it so that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it came from him, so that you have thankfulness, you have satisfaction in this reality, knowing that this is truly the right thing at the right time, and then you're faithful, and then you work. I'm telling you, you go search. It's not in Scripture. This is, this is the, the thing. Now, there's sin here, but, but Elijah doesn't, Elisha doesn't call that out. He's calling out the timing. I want you to, I want you to understand the power of timing. Uh, this, is, this is something that God highly values. Timing is something God highly values. It's something we deeply don't value. And I need you to understand why timing is so important. Because God is not a God without a plan. God has a plan. God has a design. God, God is the original greatest chess player. God is the original architect. God is the OG strategic planner. God has a plan. God, and I want to point this out to you, God has so much has a plan that Revelations calls Jesus Christ the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. That means that God gave Jesus the name, one of his names, one of his titles was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. That means before the foundation of the earth, God already had a plan in place to save us even before we fell into sin. Before he created the world, he already had a plan to save us knowing God is a planner. God is a designer. God understands. And with every plan, with every, every design, timing is a significant part of that. God desires good for you. He desires good for you. This is the reality of God's heart for his people. It's goodness. But God's plan is perfect. And part of that perfect planning is timing. And when you reach out and you take something outside of the God's timing, it is outside God's will, even if he intended to give it to you later on anyway. So I want to read something. I want you to get this, that there's so much sin and foolishness around the outside of taking outside of God's timing. So I just want you to look at, there's just two things that we all can understand really fast. Would you look at sex? Sex is a good and a holy gift God gives his people, but he asks us to wait until the right time, which is marriage. When we have sex outside his time and we are taking something he doesn't want us to have yet, instead of receiving it when the timing is right, devastation comes from the very same thing that brings amazing blessings when it's taken before the right time. So you take the idea of sex. Sex is a beautiful, powerful, amazing, God-given thing that in the right timing and in the right structure, sex can be a massive blessing, a, a thing of joy, a thing of connection and intimacy. And it, it, it's, the, it's the thing that God gives us to knit our souls together for us to become one flesh. Sex is a powerful, powerful thing. But we have, listen, even secular society and science and neurology, they're starting to see the power of this. That when you take sex prior to the timing and you, you, you take this thing, this God-given gift that he's given you for you to receive in the right timing. But if you take it outside the timing, it becomes sinful. If you re receive sex and have sex in the right timing, it's a beautiful blessing and righteous. If you take sex out of the, and the wrong timing, it's sinful and it's devastating. We know now that, that there, that, that the, the, soul and the mind is damaged 
from having multiple sexual partners, that it creates a lack of intimacy later on, that if you have sex a lot while you're young, that it, it's very difficult to gain intimacy even in the, in the confines of marriage later on in your life, that there's literal damage that, that takes place to our soul, that, that love is not something, Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon describes love as something as powerful as death. That it's, it's like a giant flood that, that, that you can't mess around with love. He warns us not to awaken love before it's the right time. This is literally a, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible about sex and love. As it says, do not arouse love before the time. If you mess with love and you mess with intimacy and you mess with sex before the right time, it's going to bring devastation to you. So this is something I want you to see that. Just like Giazzi reached out and he took something outside the wrong time, it wasn't wrong to have it, to possess it, to want it. But when you take something out of the right time, it's going to be an act of foolishness at best, an act of sinfulness at worst, and it's going to result in chaos and destruction and hurt. The other thing is finances. I want you to think about this. Financial struggles, almost all financial struggles. So the sex one's the sin one, and this is the, foolish, this is the foolishness. Financial struggles, almost all financial struggle comes from foolishly buying things and taking things and possessing things before the right time. And the right time, according to wisdom, is when we can afford it. Instead of allowing the Lord to give us and to give to us and to provide for us according to his timing, we use debt to take what we want when we want it. At a minimum, we have the stress of having large debts hanging over our heads. And at worst, this ruins our financial lives. We lose everything and spend the rest of our lives at the mercy of landlords, debt collectors, and many more, as the Bible would call them, masters. Because the lender uh, is over and in charge of and is a controlling factor in the life of those who take uh, in the form of debt. So I, I need you to understand this, that, that the sex was the example of sin, that when you, you can take something that's good and take it in the wrong timing, outside of God's timing and God's will and its sinfulness, and it's going to reap destruction. Financials are the same way. This, this isn't sinful, but it's deeply foolish to take things and to buy things and to possess things that we can't afford yet. If, if This is the thing we understand, that that a lot of times we buy those things because we, we think that we want them or we think they're going to give us peace, we think they're going to give us joy, we think it's all right. God would give those things to us. He literally promises, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and I'll, I'll give everything else to you anyway. You could just receive everything else anyway. What we do, though, is we use, we, we don't have the money. We don't have the means. We don't have the wisdom yet. We don't have, uh, so we go and we get credit cards, and we get debt, and we go out and we buy cars we can't afford, and we buy houses we can't afford, we buy clothes we can't afford, and we buy vacations we can't afford, and we go out and we take outside God's timing, and this is foolishness. Then we pay far more than we should have paid in the form of interest. Most of the time, the interest gets over our heads, and we wind up staying in debt for an incredibly long time. Most, many people stay in debt forever. It gets us where our credit drops. Now we don't have any freedom. We wind up having to. We won't have the power to buy, so we're having to rent or lease everything in our life for the rest of our lives, making everything even more expensive, putting us even more down in debt. And so the reality of it is this, is that if we would wait and we would live within our means and we would wait on God to provide, God would provide the basic things. He would provide these things. He would give this to us. All we would have to do is receive it. Before God blesses us financially, he wants to make sure we have the wisdom to be smart with it and to be wise with it. There's a lot in this. So in this list, I could go with this list on and on and on and on and on, but I wanted to give you just two practical examples in all of our lives that all of us can understand with sex and money, that when we take outside God's timing, it's going to be sinfulness. It's going to be foolishness. But this, this, is, the, this is the power that I, I want you to see something. Else. There's another pattern. It's not universal. It's not always. But there's another pattern that I see constantly in Scripture. 
Giazi, if you go to 2 Kings 8, this isn't 2 Kings 5, you go to 2 Kings 8, there's a, there's a, 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 a steep kind of punishment or result that goes into Giazi's life. He gets cursed with leprosy that Naaman had, and he winds up losing everything. But in God's mercy, and we don't know how, and we don't know when, and we don't know why, but in God's mercy, God healed him and, and brought him into a high power position in wealth. In 2 Kings 8, we see uh, that Gyazi is now working closely with the king of Israel. Uh, to be able to be in this position, to work close with the king, and he would not have had leprosy, so the Lord healed him at some point. Uh, this would have come with a, a, a power and authority and wealth just in the nature of being present around the king. There, there, this would have been a part of it. Anyway, so th this is the thing I want to understand. A lot of times, what the enemy wants to tempt you with the most is what God already wants to give you. So go back to the garden of knowledge of good and evil. God wanted to teach them this and give them the wisdom and the power to choose good, but they took it. He tempted them to take it. If you go to Jesus and the, the temptation with Jesus in the desert, uh, the, the biggest temptation that uh, the enemy tempted, Satan tempted Jesus with was to give him all of the kingdoms of the world, to give him the authority and the dominion over all the kingdoms of the world. This is what God was going to give Jesus anyway. God was going to give Jesus all the authority and all the power and all the dominion over all the kingdoms of the world and over every name. What the enemy was doing, the temptation, was reach out and take it now in your own timing and don't wait on God's timing. This is a lot of times what the enemy wants to do. The enemy knows he cannot stop God from giving you what he wants to give you. He cannot stop God's purpose. He cannot stop God's plan. He absolutely can't. But he can tempt you like he does Adam and Eve, like he did Adam and Eve, like he did Gyazi, like he did Jesus. He can tempt you, though, to reach out and take it outside of God's timing. And he knows there's going to be chaos and destruction to follow that. And so my heart here is this. I, I want you to understand timing is very powerful and it's very important. If you have to reach out and take it, it's not God's timing. When God gives you something, you're gonna, it's, it's, all you have to do is receive it. Be thankful for it, find the satisfaction in it, and then be faithful with it. The work and the grind comes with being faithful with what he gives you, not reaching out and taking it. So if you have to take something, if you have to reach out and take it, and you can know there's three things, and I want you to write these down. There's three things. To reach out and take something, it's going to be outside God's timing. It's going to be an act of foolishness, and it's going to be an act of sinfulness. One of the three or all of the above. All right, you're gonna, it's not going to be a clean and easy reception. All right, it's gonna, you're going to have to work, grind, usually in a form of foolishness and many times in a form of sinfulness to reach out and take it. So just know that if this is in your life, this is in your life, it's not God's timing. Don't bring devastation in your life. Wait. God will give it to you at the right time. I love you guys. See you next time.